Welcome in, everybody. It's a Wednesday edition, or as we like to say, draft eve edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, and I am alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vanderbeer. Mark, happy draft eve. How are you? It's draft eve. I'm, you know what? I'm fired up because I don't allow myself to get too excited about the draft, unlike you, yeah, until it's like here, me. and it's finally here. It's yeah. tomorrow, so that's very cool because... It's kind of like I've learned to sort of keep everything, tap the brakes on the preseason excitement, mm-hmm. all of that. The draft is certainly part of that. But this is the offseason Super Bowl. It's the biggest offseason event. Everybody's fired up in 24 hours. Hours We'll get it rolling. And we're going to be on the air all weekend long. So it's going to be great. It is going to be great. Uh, we'll talk about who is going to be on the air. Just know that you and I are on the air most of the time. I am on the air all the time. Other voices you will hear, Sean Pendergast, Wade Smith, Paul Gallant, and tomorrow night, I'm looking forward to this. We did the show last year down in studio. We will do it again at the draft party tomorrow night. Our radio crew, you, Andre Ware, and myself, looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Dre, first round, and for the first time in front of people. Yeah. I mean, he's been in front of people before. Well, of course. But now for the draft broadcast, and that'll be at the 100 level. If you're coming to the draft party, join us. It's in front of the Ford ramp, they call it, and they've sectioned off the doors it's going to be really great it's going to be a great atmosphere i've seen the stage i know you haven't seen it yet i'm not going to look at it it's a little not bit different there. it's a new configuration for us and speaking of configurations you know i wrote that article on houstontexans.com and all the yeah. draft parties and we've been in different spaces and places and i went over some of the locations where we were at when particular picks were made because it's all part of the memory for me i i tend to m- remember things based on you know i associate them with where i was when I saw you had written that and I read it, I, first of all, I was disappointed you didn't mention me at any point. But I understand. I'm sorry. Uh, along those lines. I would have I, had to mention everybody I've ever done the show with. Well, no, I started thinking Even about. Even though you're the best. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I started thinking about draft day memories. Yes. And thinking of especially the draft show. But e- even beyond that, I started thinking about what we, what we remember from drafts, what you know, crazy things have happened, if – you know, if at all, I think my one of my favorite stories actually happened in 2017, and we will actually have Deshaun Watson on the show tonight. I started a tradition last year, Mark, yes, where I did a radio interview because you did the TV interview, so I did the radio interview with Deshaun the day after he was drafted, and I've kept that in my in my John Harris folder on his computer, and I decided every Wednesday because it'll be the Wednesday before the Thursday night of the draft, right. I would play Deshaun interview, but. We got a little gift that Sean stopped by a few days ago, so we'll play that for you instead. It's going to be, be good. brand new. It's going to be good. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. In fact, I did hear it, but I will hear it again, and yes. it's going to be awesome tonight. Uh, that story is great. There are numerous other stories. I'll tell you, what, what sort of jumped out to me, because other people have said, really, is the very first draft party. Yeah remembering that, which took place in the Astrodome. How weird was that? It was weird. Now, I was new to Houston. I was only here for less than a month, living here for less than a month when the first draft party took place (laughs) in 2002. And there was so much excitement with the birth of the franchise and getting the first college crop of players because the expansion draft had already taken place. That was February 18th, 2002. So here we were for the first college draft, and you knew David Carr was going to get picked. It was obvious. Was he already signed? He was already signed. He was already signed. And now there was some... I guess, you know, I think all fall there was a lot of talk that he was probably going to be the guy. Fresno State was hot. That You remember yep. he beat Wisconsin on the road and Oregon State, I think. Colorado, and Wisconsin, Colorado, and Oregon State. Th- those are the three uh, big 
big-time teams or big conference teams that he beat on the road as a Fresno State quarterback. I think he had 42 touchdown passes. I mean, he had a heck of a senior year. There was a reason why David Carr was the number one overall yep. pick in the draft. Of course. And they wanted the franchise quarterback, and everyone knew he was going to get picked. But there was still a ton of excitement. It was the first draft party, and it was you know the, the team was getting its first crop of college players. Chester Pitts was taken. Jabbar Gaffney was taken. Fred Weary was taken. You know, a lot of guys who we know still from – being great Houstonians, uh, were taken in that draft and that offseason. So that was very cool. And it was the Astrodome. The stadium wasn't done yet, so they couldn't do it at the stadium. It wasn't completed yet. Just being in the Astrodome was a weird setting for me because I'd never done any kind of broadcast from the Astrodome. So that was the very first one. And the, I, I write about all of them on HoustonTexans.com. Where were you? Were you down on the field? We were down were at the field level. We had a set up there for Sports Radio 610. And remember, the early days, it was a lot of the guys from Sports Radio 610. We had a lot of different lineups and yeah. you know some of the names that you know well that are still in radio around Houston. Uh, and we, we put it together. I didn't drive the show the first two, three, four years. And I really objected to not driving the show. But it was funny <laughs> because I was the play-by-play guy for the Texans. And I was doing a two-hour show from 9 to 11 on Sports Radio 610 five days a week. But I wasn't, you know, I I was one of the hosts, but that's it. I was just one of the hosts. And the other hosts had more seniority and longevity in the market, obviously, than I did. I was just a play-by-play guy. So they weren't going to, I'm not going to say let me drive the show, but it just didn't seem like the right thing to do. They they were just having me on as sort of a guy to comment on things because I was the play-by-play announcer for the team. So uh, it grew into me having a hostile takeover eventually of the driving seat for the draft show, and that worked out well. Well, one of my funny stories actually was two years later. I think you were driving the show by then because that was my first time ever on the draft show. I don't remember this. When, When Travis was taken, Travis Johnson was taken, and I remember at the time the Texans, I want to say we're running a 3-4, if I remember correctly. And I just remember yes, thinking Travis was the perfect three technique. Like, I just didn't see the fit. Like, I thought he was a perfect three technique. I thought a 4-3 team would have snapped him up. And I remember our friend Lance was like, all right, you know, you're going to come on a draft show. And I talked to whoever was producing. Like, you can come on a draft show and you can talk about the draft pick. And we'll call you at the beginning and then we'll call you um, after the pick and all that kind of stuff. And so for years, I, I thought you hated me because <laughs> we, well, I, I come on and I'm talking about Travis Johnson and you literally just cut me off and like move on. And I'm like, oh, okay. Wait, I did you say up. something bad about him? No. no that's probably that. why. No, I, no That's our that. new player. I'm no, you were, getting, already. you were getting Travis on the air after me. Oh, that's and what so it And so I had to get off mm. because you were getting Travis. Well, I didn't See know later. that for the longest time. I was like. Man, Vandermeer hates me. No, jeez, I didn't I, think I said anything bad. I think that's the only thing I so funny. The only thing I said was, I just wasn't sure how he was going to fit because of the defense they ran. But as far as a draft pick, I thought I thought Travis was going to be. What a did good they run? Football in, you know, he played four years here, then two years in San Diego. Mm-hmm. What did he play in San Diego? Was it the same kind of defense? Or I'm trying to remember what they had at that point, and I, I can't remember. That was, I don't I don't remember. The but, funny thing is, you know, that that I wrote about that draft party reaction. That was and you know, Trav we love Travis yeah. and everything. He's gonna be at the draft party. But the crowd and you know, you can't beat local flavor here. Of course. You know, Derek Johnson was on the board yeah, and that's they the traded tough part. down three spots and they missed out on Derek Johnson and so the crowd went nuts and no one knew how good Derek Johnson was gonna be. It's just the fact that he was a longhorn and everyone right. had familiarity with him and 
they didn't have a lot of familiarity with Travis Johnson. So that was the reaction at that particular draft party. In 2006, I, I'll never forget where I was when I heard the news. I actually was driving by Elon University. I don't know why I was driving by Elon, but that's when I heard the news, and I literally almost drove my the car. Mario the Mario Williams news. The Mario Williams news. Now, obviously, people had the night and then on into the morning because that was the one of the last Saturday – well, it wasn't one of the last ones. They did a few years more of that, but on that was Saturday at 11. They're kicking off the draft, and Texans are drafting first. They're drafting Mario. I can imagine that one was a little dicey. That, what was I, that like? I was out at dinner on Friday night, and I got a text. There was no social media notification yeah. or whatever. The text was, was not 2006. used a whole lot at that point. I mean, it was... I remember one of the officials at the radio station at the time said, you don't need texting on your phone because it costs extra for the company phones. I said, no, texting is a real thing. It's here to stay. Yes. No, I just use email. I'm like, no, oh, no, you gosh. don't understand. Email's not the same thing. I don't have a BlackBerry. It's texting. But it's funny. You know, it's just a technology note, a, a little side note here. I still have some contacts in my phone who are first name only. Like Mike, my friend from Boston, is just Mike. <laughs> just Mike. Right? Because <laughs> I, I was like, do that. How, many na- how many contacts am I going to have in my phone? These are the guys I call all the time. Yeah. So Mike is Mike, you know, and that's it. And so if you are a one-name contact in my phone, I've known you for a long time. I've got Don <laughs> from Miami, you know. It's funny. Stan from Central Michigan. Anyway, uh, the, so I get the notification, not notification, a text yeah. that Mario Williams is the guy and they're going to sign him. And it was – so I turned on the radio right away. I wasn't on the air. And the reaction is unbelievable. People are freaking out. Who's Mario Williams? Right. It was bad enough, according to so many, that the Texans weren't going to take Vince Young. But they're not going to take Reggie Bush either? What? No one thought this was a possibility, and Mario was the guy. So the draft party the next day, there was a torrential downpour. I mean, it was one of those real, oh, wow. you know, Houstonian rainstorms where you know you're going to get if you if you just get out of the car for a second, you're going to get soaked. It was yeah. one of those. The draft party was packed. It was anyway. No one cared about the rain. Yeah. They all wanted to go boo the pick. Okay. <laughs> That that's what that was it. They yeah. wanted to be with fellow Texans, and you know that's the passion of the NFL. That's sure. it. That's it. You know, you live and die with your team, and in this case, you wanted to, you know, feel whatever you're going to feel that day at the draft party, and they did, and they let it out. You know, they knew what the pick was going to be. They let it out big at that party. This was a great exercise in patience, though, because it was the right decision. Yeah. And the date, this was when, it was Saturday, not Thursday, yep. Friday, Saturday. It was Saturday and Sunday, the draft. But the first three rounds were on Saturday. And the day got a good review overall. Because by the end of the day, they picked up D'Amico Ryans and Eric Winston and Charles Spencer, who they called yep. a 10-year starter, possibly, but he got hurt. Yep. Uh, still, you had three really good picks with Winston, D'Amico, and Mario. And Mario and D'Amico, a couple of pro bowlers, and Winston's super solid right tackle. So that was a really good day. And I think people at the end of the day were like, all right, you didn't get Reggie Bush, but you got these other – D'Amico was a pretty popular name going into that draft. A lot of yep. people had him as a first-round kind of guy. Yep. To get him at the top of the second round was a nice pickup. I remember I live-blogged that whole draft, every every single pick. Mm-hmm. I live-blogged the whole thing. And I remember in my scouting report of Mario Williams, I remember writing – he will be the best defensive player in this draft. He should go very high. Like, I was convinced wow. in watching him. Now, I lived in North Carolina, so I had seen Mario up close. The one thing that I always worried about with Mario was, is he going to disappear for games? Like, is there going to be times where he just disappears? Like, he's just, wait, Mario's playing? Oh, yeah, I forgot. But then there were games where he just completely 
took over. Yeah. And he kind of did that in the NFL. I think he found a little bit more consistency. But you're right. He was he was the right pick. But Mario D'Amico and then Eric Winston. The unfortunate aspect was that Charles Spencer ends up getting yeah. getting hurt because that's now got a domino effect in that you two years later because Spencer does get hurt and you can't get him back. You go with Dwayne. Obviously, Dwayne turned into a really, really good player. But if Spencer's the player – that we all thought he was going to be. Then you don't have to spend that first-round pick. It's kind of like what we're talking about with Kevin Johnson yeah, at absolutely. quarterback. You know, absolutely. He doesn't pan out because of injuries or whatever. Now you got to move on to another situation, yep. and, and you, you're playing catch-up. And unfortunately for a lot of franchises, including this one, they haven't so much done it in the draft, but a lot of franchises have this at quarterback, Cleveland. At quarterback, where you're mm-hmm. constantly trying to find that quarterback, Jacksonville, where Tennessee also, they feel yeah. like they've got one with Mariota. But think about Tennessee, Vince Young. You know, we we don't have to go into the whole Vince Young story. He did some good things there, but it didn't work out ultimately. Right. Jake Locker, no. And now they're on to Mariota, and the jury's still out, like you and I yep. have discussed many times. So uh, you can be chasing after that one for a long time with draft picks. Now, the Texans have chased after quarterbacks without draft picks. They have the Schaub deal. They have other stuff. They, you know, Fitzpatrick and the bridge guy, whatever. Can they make it work with yep. patchwork situations? Uh, and now they finally have their guy. But it, it's funny how that is at certain position groups, and I know you've pointed that out many times this offseason. Well, my first draft party was the first one that I did was in 2014, mm-hmm. and we had I think we had known that J.D. was going to go with the first pick, so we were kind of yeah. bracing for that. But it, I just love the fact that it, I remember you saying, hey, we're going to get Jadeveon Clowney on the air after you know asking questions. Like, whoa, this is cool. Like, yeah, I get the chance to talk right about the draft away. pick. And so a lot of people at that point had left. But there was still so much drama because one of those quarterbacks that was considered by Cleveland was Johnny Manziel. Yeah. And to watch our draft party react every time Manziel was shown on the screen, I I would have, I could have sworn that going in that every time they'd show Manziel, it would have been a cheer, everybody would have been excited. When they showed Manziel the very first time, our crowd booed. I mean, the entire place just booed. And well, I was like, whoa. Because and so when Dallas pops up at 16, oh. and everybody's like, they're going to draft Johnny Manziel, and this draft party is just going to be enraged, and they take Zach Martin, mm-hmm. Nick's brother. And our the draft, the draft party just went crazy. I mean, I yeah. don't know if Zach Martin got that many cheers in Dallas, but this draft party went crazy because then they showed Johnny. He's sitting there just sipping on a drink or whatever he was on. But it was hilarious to Could watch you that. Imagine Johnny out. to the Cowboys instead of Zach Martin, and they don't get Dak. Oh my gosh! It changes history. It changes a lot of things if they go. I mean, Zach Martin doesn't turn into Zach Martin with the Cowboys, and where he ends up going at that point. I mean, yep, that offensive line. Oh. I mean, there's a billion. You know, that, that's why the draft is so fascinating. It's and just I know a you domino. Love it. Yeah, the, the whole the, thing's the just story a domino. lines are great. And I've been watching all the stuff on NFL Network. It's, it's terrific. so good. It's yeah. so good, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, it's that man, Deshaun Watson. He sat down with Mark and I earlier this week. We'll have that for you right here on Texans All Access. Last year, heading into the draft, the Wednesday night before the draft, I said I wanted to start a new tradition, and that was I wanted to go back and replay an interview that I had done with Deshaun Watson the day after he was drafted. And I said, you know what? I'm going to play this interview every Wednesday before the draft. Every Wednesday before the draft, I'll play this interview with Deshaun Watson, except this one. Because, well, we got a more updated interview with Deshaun Watson. Mark and I had a chance to catch up with him a few days ago as he was getting back into the conditioning aspect, this phase of the offseason. And we had a good time talking to Deshaun Watson, the team's last first-round draft pick from 2017. How is it to get over jet lag for you? Are you pretty good at (laughs) recovering quickly? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm solid. Uh, you know, I actually didn't really get too jet lag. I, I kind of timed my sleeping and, you know, on the plane and, and the, uh, I guess, the timing. I don't know. I would just follow whatever the the advice I had with the people I was with that, that's been traveling for a while. So I did that, came back, maybe took maybe a day and a half to kind of get used to the timing and, and sleeping right. But outside of that, I'm been good so far. Mark and I said we should play a game, where did Deshaun not go? <laughs> Was there any place that you didn't go that you were like, man, I wish I could have gone there? Um, I actually stopped in Dubai or uh, is it Abu Dhabi Airport yeah. or something like that, right. so, which is like an hour from Dubai. And I was actually going to go, but the time it wasn't right. So, uh, you know, Dubai would have been awesome um, to go. And then Tokyo, I was on that side, but didn't have an opportunity to go to Tokyo because of timing. Um, those two spots that kind of, you know, off the top of my head. When you sit back, the season's over, you step back, you get away from the playoff game, lost to Sean, and you just – I don't know what you did at that point, but I would imagine at some point you sat down with all the film that you had from the year that you played, finally got a full year in the NFL. When you step back and looked at it, what do you think? Because your numbers are incredible. I right, mean, you right, did right. something that no quarterback's ever done. 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, 500 yards. I mean, you know all that. What were the things that stood out to you that you felt like you did well? What do you think there are some things that you want to work on for 2019 and going forward? Uh, really just the leadership, how I managed adversity. Um, you know, if something bad happened on a previous job, how I came back and, and kind of stuck through it for four quarters um, and, and not giving up. So – uh, that aspect, and then just really just uh, you know controlling the offense as much as I can, making plays with my feet, uh, with my arm outside the pocket, and and just really just um, you know just being that leader of the, of the team. And then also off the, you know that that was something that I wanted to fix is you know just the details, operation of the offense, being able to recognize different coverages and defenses sooner. Um, that's just kind of more film work, more study, more experience, uh, more focus. And if I can continue to do that on a consistent basis, especially in the offseason, and, and growing that, then once the season comes around, it comes around, and, and I can and just work like uh, clockwork. We know you're getting ready for next year, but what play or plays stood out to you as favorites from last year? Things that you saw in the highlights and said, "Wow, how did I do that?" Uh, <laughs> well, we've got I mean, one. Yeah, we've got the we've one got one. That's that you, what I was going to think. Yeah. I mean, that's the one that jumps off the the head, the little three or twist. I threw the guys off and they made yeah. the play. I think it was third down. <laughs> he so. threw the guys off. <laughs> yeah, that was the one that kind of stuck up. But it was a lot of great plays, a lot of plays that the receivers made too. When when you threw and shortly after, you know, you throw to Vincent Smith right, in the end right. zone for the touchdown. When you're throwing a ball like that, I mean, you don't really know exactly how it's going to turn out, but you have to have faith in your receiver. What's sure. going through your mind in those situations? No, nah, I mean that's something that we talked about. It was a spin, uh, really a couple of drives before where uh, I threw an out route. I think it was the D Carter um, in the corner, jumped it, and Vincent had to go, and it was almost you know pick. I think it was blitz zero or something like that, and I threw it outside the corner, jumped it. And he almost caught a pick. He dropped it. So I was like, okay, next time we get in this situation, they're not even watching you, Vince. Run full speed. I'm going to lunch it, and it's going to be six. Just trust me. And so uh, he told him, he's like, I got you. So the next opportunity came. We flipped sides. I knew 32. He was kind of looking at me, and I just launched it and, and put it in the spot. So his opportunity came, and he took advantage of it. I think my favorite thing about that play, I was third and 11. Yeah. I remember. What, you remember what Andre said literally right before the ball snapped? He said, you don't have to get it all in one play. <laughs> think of the first down, not right. the touchdown. And then you threw the touchdown, and, of course, we, we went nuts at that point. Deshaun, one of the games that stands out so much on, on a number of different levels, but curious to get your thoughts, Bob McNair – 
Mr. McNair passed away on Friday. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys got to play that Monday night game. And there's such a great shot of you during a moment of silence. It's like, I want that for my office. It's a great shot. But that game, how emotional was that game for you guys in the locker room, knowing that Mr. McNair had passed away a few days before, and now you got to play the Titans yeah. in your building on Monday night? What was that like? It was very emotional, man. It was, you can just feel the energy. You can feel um, just how, how sad it was, especially the day he passed. I think it was after practice or, mm-hmm. or meetings, right mm-hmm. before meetings and something like that. And we kind of knew about it, not everyone, um, but it was just, it was tough. Um, but then again, we knew that he was in a great, great place. Um, you know, he, he left in peace and he was happy. And all he wanted for this team is just to be successful, go out there, have fun and win. And, um, you know, that's what we wanted to do. So, um, you know, in that moment it was tough because, you know, when I was in the hospital with my, my rib and my lung, he was actually a couple of doors down the down the hallway so yeah. we were actually spent some time together you know I felt like I was there with him uh, whenever he was going through those tough times and situations that I can brighten his day so uh, it was very emotional for myself and we wanted to go out there and win and, and that's what we did all right so now you're back for this nine-week program what's it like to be around the guys right now and you must really be looking forward to getting out there on the fields and doing your thing it is awesome I mean just kind of you know starting over building that chemistry again it's a new locker room a lot of guys left a lot of guys came in so you know we got to start from stretch and, and kind of rebuild and that's what we've been doing is building that trust building that loyalty that work ethic and that determination that you know we were going to go out there each and every day and, and conquer the day and win and try to you know before we leave this locker room before we leave the stadium make sure you check the bosses of how are you helping yourself get one percent better and how are you helping this team get one percent better and if you can do that each and every day then we'll be just fine so many things i want to ask you about a few days after the Colts game, you see your university win another national championship. Mm-hmm. It's now Clemson, Alabama. What's that like being on the sidelines to watch as opposed to being in it? Uh, I would rather be in it for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was awesome, man. It was uh, it was great. It was great to see the young guys that that came up after me, and, and I've seen them, watched them, you know, grow, do scout team. Um, a lot of people that you know didn't think they were going to be able to be at that position. Um, you know, they conquer that and, and just be one of the best teams ever, go 15-0 and for the first time. So uh, it was awesome to see them do that that night, and I was very excited. Does that rile you up a little bit that you guys didn't? You got that pit one-point loss <laughs> kind of hanging in there nah, in 2016? I mean, yeah, of course, you know, both years. You know, we went 14-0 and and lost to Alabama by five, and then we went 13-1. and We lost to Pitt by one or two points on the last second field goal. So, yeah, it kind of hunted us, but at the same time, we knew that, I mean, it was a, it was a matter of time that somebody was going to do it. That's the – that's a culture and program coach when you have in Clemson. We've seen you have some explosive days on the field. We also saw a lot of other games with other teams where they have high point totals. Then you see the Super Bowl really low scoring. What is it about this game? Where is it all going? What does I it mean, all mean to you? You never, you never know. I mean, it just depends on that day. Uh, you never know who's going to be in in that game. Everyone is good. Yeah, it may seem that hey, this team is is two and twelve, or this team is zero and sixteen. But everyone is good. Everyone has great players. So as OB always say, it's a lead that is set up for eight and eight. So I mean, it's just whoever plays better that day is going to win. And those two guys, teams in the Super Bowl, was going back and forth. And you know, the Patriots came out. They made more plays on offense, especially towards the end, and and pulled it off. When you see the matchups, you have Mahomes coming up this year. You have Breeze. Now you're not facing these guys individually, but it's right. the, that's the quarterback tail of the tape so to speak that's got to excite you when you think for about sure the it's a great opportunity for myself to be able to go out there and perform and compete with the best and uh you know i consider myself as one of the best in the lead and, and those guys are up there also so uh it's gonna be fun it's great to be able to know that they can score a lot of points and i want to do the same two years ago this franchise was changed when that man deshaun watson was added in the 2017 draft coming up let's get in the lab
Drew and I will dork out on this 2019 NFL draft next right here at Texans All Access. Welcome back to Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. From the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, I am John Harris, your host, football analyst, and silent reporter, and ready to do plenty of draft radio over the next three days. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday morning leading into early evening. Plenty of stuff to talk about, what the Texans are going to do with these draft picks, and looking forward to it. Now, each and every week, Drew Doherty and I do a podcast called In the Lab. This week, we went deep into draft discovery, draft talk, what the national media is saying. But Drew kicks it off with three guys maybe you haven't heard of or you don't know that are all connected for one particular reason. Check this out. It's here. The draft is here in just, just a few short days. Mm-hmm. And I want to I ask you what these three names have in common, John. Okay. Justin Hunter, Corey Coleman, and Pat Mahomes. It's kind of a random grouping, isn't it? Justin Hunter, a wide receiver who was drafted in 2013 by yeah, the, the Titans. Yeah, to Tennessee. 2016's Corey Coleman, another wide receiver, drafted by the Browns. Mm-hmm. 2017, Pat Mahomes, quarterback, taken by the Chiefs, ahead of Deshaun Watson that year. What could those three possibly have in common, John? I think they're all trade-ups. I know Corey Coleman is, and I know Patrick Mahomes is. I'm pretty sure that Coleman was. I could be wrong on that, but I'm almost positive that Corey Coleman was a trade-up because I remember thinking who would be the first receiver off the board in 2016. And Will was in that conversation. Josh Doxson was in that conversation. Coleman was, I don't want to say consensus number one, but I remember thinking I didn't have Coleman coming off the board for a while. And then the Browns, I want to say traded up. So are they trade-up situations? I can't remember if Coleman was or not. Totally I, I don't know. That's not the uh, the, the connection. That's not where going. I'm going. Yeah, okay. you totally took this off. Okay, but that's all right. That's what we do here on in the lab. Okay, Justin Hunter and Corey Coleman and Pat Mahomes were all in the final Houston Texans mock draft survey of that uh, year, 13, 16, and seventeen. Yeah, they were who most of the experts or the majority of the experts had the Texans taking in the first round. Yep. Now. Finishing second in each of those mock draft surveys, if you want to go chronologically, 2013, most experts had DeAndre Hopkins Hopkins. going to the Texans. In 16, most experts had Will Fuller going to the Texans. Second, second most behind these guys. And in 17, Watson and Cam Robinson were the – they split the (laughs) vote. That's interesting. The second finisher in the mock draft survey in three of the last five of them that the Texans have had a first-round pick Uh has wound up being the pick. So – Right now, it, unless something drastic changes, it looks like Andre Dillard is going to win the Houston Texans mock draft survey. So Which we'll, means we'll that give he's him a not, big high five. Yeah, he's going somewhere else. But the second, the guy, if, if it looks like his, his second tally holds, mm-hmm. Cody Ford, Oklahoma offensive lineman, has the second most votes right now. But I went back and looked at some of these. Uh-huh. Peter King has been right on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. He, he called Will Fuller. I mean, he... he uh, it's in 16, he yeah, hit Will. Yeah. yeah, so it's interesting knowing that and knowing what he wrote about yesterday. Saying they Which think is a trade-up scenario. Might trade up. And all we've been hearing is that the Texans are going to trade back, and now we're starting to hear from some of these national guys that they might trade well, up. I'm starting, to, I'm starting to doubt my own self because I thought, no chance <laughs> they trade up. Well, here, here's a couple of things. Number one, I, I, think, I think a trade up in a mock draft, because, look, when you do your mock draft, 
you can do one of two things. You can either just draft as is, which you know is not going to happen, mm-hmm. or you can start invoking trades. Well, to trade up, first of all, you got to have a team that wants to trade down. And the teams that I've talked about trading down are the Lions. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard Miami, but I wouldn't be surprised if Miami. That makes and, sense because they want to add yeah, volume uh, picks. The Jets. Now, nah, three is too far to, to move up, I think. And I don't, it's, I think it's too cost prohibitive to move up at that point. But those are teams that talked about moving down. So you got to have teams that move down and, then, and that want to move down. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the fact that the Texans have a pretty distinct need in that being in the offensive line. Yep. I mean, you could say corner, but I would think to go up and get one of the top three guys, Jonah Williams, Juwan Taylor, Andre Dillard, and I would think they would go Taylor, Dillard, then Williams. But either way, I, 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 I think Jonah Williams is a heck of a football, football player. And I think for us, he end up, might end up playing left tackle. In the end, he might play, be a right tackle. It might be Brian Balaga, basically. Balaga was left tackle at Iowa. He moved over to right tackle for the Packers and was a really solid player and has been a solid player ever since he got there. Mm-hmm. That might be what happens, but I think Jonah might start out at left tackle and then move over to right depending on what happens. But that said, you've got a distinct position need. And the Texans have, I don't want to say excess draft capital, but they've got – They've In got addition, they've, they've got, got some ammunition. Yeah. So all of that, when you when you factor in all of that, not to mention the teams that have – the Texans have been mentioned about trading up, mm-hmm. those are teams that – like I mentioned Detroit, Bob Quinn, there's a New England connection. In Miami, Brian Flores just took over as head coach. There's a heavy Miami connection there, even though Chris Greer is a GM. There's a big-time uh, New England connection there. So – Sometimes you find teams that you want to, to deal with. And here's another one. You know, Denver might be in a situation where it's, it wants to trade down as well. And last year, John Elway and Brian Gay, I mean, Brian sat here and told us, boy, John was really easy to work with, John Elway being mm-hmm. the uh, president of operations there, that John was really easy to work with. You throw all of that together, the fact that there are teams that want to move down, the Texans have a distinct need, they have excess draft capital, that, that extra second rounder that they have, and it makes a lot of sense that they're a team that everybody pushes forward as far as, hey, this is a trade-up. This team I could see trading up. Yeah. Because the other aspect of it is it's 11-5 and five football team from last year that if you fix that need, how much better can this team be? So it makes a lot of sense. There's one person in particular in the national media that I pay attention to more than any other. He also – had a trade scenario and i i tend to to trust a lot of the things that i've heard him say over the years albert breer from mmqb a lot of times what albert says i trust i know that guy does his legwork he's connected man he's 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 never he's never just going to go off half he has a trade-up he has a trade-up situation in his mock or i don't know if he did a mock but he said there are two teams to keep an eye on houston being one of them i can't remember what the other one was i think it's carolina as far as being positioned to move up that way because, because of and his reasoning have. was Texans have two second round picks, Carolina's got two third round picks. Yeah. And so that's that's been I've seen that more I don't know how many mocks I've looked at and Houston has been a trade up in every single situation. Yeah. Every single situation. So I I won't be surprised. I, I've said this before. I won't be surprised at 
anything that happens. I don't care what it is. Yeah. I don't care if we're sitting here at 23 and the Texans drafted Kyler Murray. I wouldn't be surprised at anything. I think that would be strange, but I wouldn't be surprised at anything. I've seen these drafts. You've seen these drafts. Well, let me give you a little – There have uh, been so many different things that go like, well, I didn't see that coming. Let me give you a little factoid that I think we don't always remember at this time of year or we're not remembering this time this year. Uh, Texans have not stayed put in the first round since 2015. They moved up in 17. Yeah. They moved up in 16 to get Will Fuller. Just one spot, but one they spot. moved up moved to get up. him. Yep. Moved up drastically to get to Sean Watson the next year. Didn't have a pick last year. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while since they've stayed put. And then I want to veer back. I just have this gut and this, uh, and I don't think it's it's anything outlandish, but I really have like a mild crush on Jonah Williams. The Alabama. I think he yep. is just... And I think he can play left tackle. I, I think, think he could too. And I think he yeah. could be really good at left tackle. And just based on based on what I saw of him at the combine when he was meeting with people, talking with people, based on what he did in college, I just I think that guy's just so he looks so dependable. Drew, there are two guys. I mean, there are a few guys, but there are two guys in particular that I know the things I know about them. And what we know about this locker room and what Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien have talked about as sort of our kind of guys, mm-hmm. if you will, Jonah Williams is one of them. Yeah. Apparently, he sits down with a spreadsheet before every game. And yeah, he, that, yeah. And goes through. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it, he, he's a gym rat. He loves the game. He's everything. He's everything you really want in a player. The only thing he's not is a really tremendous athlete. Right. And that's the one thing that carried Dwayne. When he struggled the first couple of years, was he was very athletic. Yeah. So he could, once his technique and all that kind of matched up with the athleticism, you end up getting one of the great left tackles in the game. But I don't know that you could say that David Bakhtiari is a great athlete, but he moves extremely well. His technique is tremendous. He's tougher than nails. He studies. I mean, he's the. And he was a first team All Pro last year. Yeah, and and he was a fourth rounder. Yeah. Um, a guy that Texans could have had in 2013, but obviously didn't have a need in 2013. Yeah. So from that perspective, Jonah Williams and the other one is Dalton Reisner. Yeah. Reisner is 1,000% ball. And I'll never forget, we I can't remember what game it was, but we had a home game. It may have been the Giants opener. And I, was, I just remember this. I was down in the end zone, and we were getting ready for the game, and we get, went to a break, and all of a sudden Dre goes, Johnny. And I was like, uh-oh. You know Dalton Reisner? I was like, oh, yeah, I love that guy. And he goes, I want that guy to be a Texan. And he goes, that's the quintessential Texan. And he, they had production meetings at Kansas State because mm-hmm. Dre was calling. I think it was K-State, Mississippi State, or maybe K-State, UMass, one of the two. He was calling that game, and they did the production meeting with Dalton Reisner. And he's like, Johnny, he's one of the most impressive dudes I've ever talked to in a production meeting said he's off the charts I tried to get to him at the senior bowl and there were like eight to ten people thick around him I couldn't get to him he, he, had, just, he, he literally good, was just holding court and he had good practices that week too oh he had really good practices great practices he Looked played at right nasty. tackle yeah. he's smart I mean he's he is he's a Texans lineman I think Andre Diller could be that I think Andre's a little quieter yeah you know he's not he's not going to be a guy like Dalton that gets up in front of the you know he Andre's not going to be bad but he's He's just a little bit quieter the way that he goes about things. Reisner just is so good in, in speaking to the media and talking to people 
and then he plays the game with a chip on his shoulder, uh, which I think is fantastic. I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if all you know, Jonah is off the board, Juwan Taylor's off the board, Dillard's off the board, Grady Williams off the board, and they take Dalton Reisner. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at twenty three, and I wouldn't have a problem with that. Just get better. I, I wouldn't have a problem. He's going to end up making your offensive line better in the long run, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. But I, I'm with you, Drew. I think you know, there's a lot of talk about Jonah going into guard, and I and I get all that, but. Yeah, Jonah struggled with Cleveland Farrell, and I had to get over that. I really had to get over that. I had a hard time at first, like, trying to get over that. Like, man, Farrell just really kind of ate him up. And I was like, is that where the athleticism or lack thereof, like not being a great athlete, is that really where it shows? But I just feel like if you get him in your system, he's going to study every single day. He's going to be like Deshaun in that way. I think that's what well, we have talked about a lot with Deshaun. When Deshaun got here, he took the playbook and just soaked it in, like, every day. And sometimes guys have a bad day. Yeah, sometimes there's a no bad doubt. match. I mean, Dwayne Brown will tell you himself. It was tough going against Dwight Freedy. No doubt, yeah. He said, Absolutely. I struggled against Dwight Freedy. I had bad days against Dwight Freedy. Sometimes you're just going to have bad days yep. against guys in the NFL. No doubt. But I think you take out that one game against against Clemson, um, pretty damn good oh, yeah. resume otherwise. Oh, I know? mean, and the thing about it is. And he probably, he probably, probably learned from what he struggled with against that guy and knows – how to correct that. And probably forward. all offseason, Drew, he has worked at whatever mm-hmm. it was that was giving him issues against uh, Cleveland Farrell. And sometimes it was Farrell's strength. And look, sometimes you're not, you know, you can only get so strong. But I guarantee the things that he didn't do that night against Farrell, um, he's going to want to do better and he's going to get better. And that's what you know about him is he's going to work his tail off to get better. One worry I do have about, I do have this this worry about Alabama guys. As the Alabama guys come into the league, and they have success, but they get beaten up in college. Yeah. Nick does not back off. Plus, and they so, play like 15 games a year. Right. He's playing the title right. game, the semifinal game. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jonah's only played three years at Alabama. So, he's not like he's not a redshirt senior where he was there for five years, and he played four. He played three years. He played a lot of football. Uh, just you would hope that he's, he's held up body-wise. I mean, we just found out today that Rashawn Gary's dealing with a labrum tear in his shoulder that could send him down the draft board, could not. He could play with it the first year. It's really up to teams. I mean, you know, Montez Sweat's dealing with heart conditions. Some of those things, you just don't know how that's going to play out on draft night. But I'd imagine, I haven't heard anything medically on Jonah Williams, but I just know that the, the Alabama guys come into the league pretty, pretty beat up. I remember C.J. Mosley coming into the league from Alabama going to the Baltimore Ravens. He had tape everywhere on him. I loved him as a player, but I just worried he was going to break down. And luckily he hasn't. And that, and if and if that player doesn't from Alabama, you know they're going to be a good football player because they've gone through the ringer. I mean, Nick has put them through the process well, in, at Alabama. In, they played and, in the Crucible week in, week out in the SEC. And then yep. in December, January, they do it again. In playoffs. Yeah. And, and, and you just, Multiple times. You just reminded me where I was going with this point, and that is, a lot of what Alabama does, we also do. They run zone game, we run zone game. They run a little bit of power, we don't run as much power. You know, they run a little bit of it. So I think it's easier to look at a guy like Jonah Williams and say, and this is where I think looking at Dillard, you've got to project a little bit more. Yeah. In that, okay, could this guy could this guy be a good run blocker for us? If he is going to be a good run blocker for us, is he going to be more a power guy? Is he going to be more of a zone guy? I think he's going to be more of a zone guy. But either way, point being, with Jonah Williams, you've seen it. Yeah. You've seen what he can do. The projection is probably a little bit um, easier to make 
from that perspective. You know where his floor and ceiling are going to be. Whereas you look at Dillard, as much as I love him as a pass protector, as a run blocker, you go, ah, oh, man. I mean, he was on an island. Yeah. When, that you, when, when those wide splits in Leach's offense, it's, a, it's and, and listen. It's a, just one-on-one a lot of times. It, even if they're going to run the ball at all, Drew. But, they may not even run the ball. But it's not like Leach's quarterback history. I mean, his quarterbacks have been great in college, and really they yeah. never wound up uh, lighting it up in the NFL. Right. However, he's had some offensive linemen f- flourish in the NFL. Louis Vasquez. Louis Vasquez. Yeah, first one Manuel Ramirez. Manny Ramirez. Yep. Um, he's done really well. So, yeah, over the years he's had some guys who have made it and, and been solid contributors in the NFL. Yep, no doubt. I, I – I'm with you. I like Jonah Williams. I've, I've kind of, as the process has gone on, I've probably learned to like him a lot more than I, I may have earlier in the process. He seems like he's the devil you know, man. Yeah, I think he's I think the devil you right. know. I think like, it's a great you know what he's it. gonna what he's gonna do for you. Yeah, it's no doubt. And I think solid. that's what's different from a guy like Greg Little too. Like you watch Greg Little and you go, "We don't really do any of that." Mm-hmm. So you're really making a projection on a guy. That's like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know. You're really making a projection. With Jonah, like you said, you know what you're going to get. Now, look, you might get a B-plus versus, you know, wrong with that. A-plus, but you're going to get B-plus all seen the here, time. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you, you take a B-plus every single day of the week. Okay, I'm going to Nashville on Wednesday. Uh, when, Thursday during the day, I'm going to talk to our, our buddy DeAndre Hopkins. He's going nice. to be presenting the second-round picks. He'll be calling out the names and numbers. So. But before that, I'm going to catch up with him, see what he's been doing this offseason. I want to find out what the one thing he's worked on this year has been. Because last year he was catching golf balls and tennis balls because he wanted to work on his hands, which is amazing. So I want to find out what, what the greatest in the game is doing to get better because I know he's doing something to get better. So I'm going to find out that and a few more thing, other things from him. We'll, uh, we'll talk with you guys live right before the draft, 6 o'clock hour on Thursday night, and then um, if our guy's there, we're going to mic him up, follow him around, do some one-on-ones with him, and have a good time, but I can't wait. Nashville's going to be fun. Drew's headed off to Nashville. Hopefully he's safe. He took a team up there, so hopefully we'll have some great stuff there, and hopefully our draft pick is up there so we can have a chance to catch up with him. I know we'll catch up with him on the radio, but hopefully they can catch up with him from a video perspective, because that's always cool when they're there. They were there when Deshaun got picked, and that was really, really cool uh, to have all that video and, of course, the archives, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, take a look back and go, oh, yeah, remember this day? It's always very cool. So, Drew, travel safe. The rest of you, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you being here. It is tomorrow night. Starting at 6 o'clock, we will have Texans All Access. DP Sudo will be in the driver's seat. I'll pop on. John McClain will pop on. Drew will join us from Nashville for a minute or so. And then we'll turn it over to our draft night show, which is our Texans game day radio crew. Mark, Andre, and myself on Friday night. It'll be Mark, myself, and Paul Gallant. On Saturday afternoon, it'll start with me, Sean Pendergast, and Wade Smith, and it'll finish with me, Mark, and Mike Meltzer. So you have that to look forward to as we talk about all these draft picks. We'll talk about all 32 teams because my draft knowledge encompasses everyone and everywhere that we could possibly go. So this is where you want to have it. Appreciate you guys listening. We will see you tomorrow. When this franchise's history takes another step forward with who the 2019 NFL first round Houston Texan draft pick will be. We'll see you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans.